0: Hello, I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Katie Sewell. This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell, and this is your Midweek Bittersweet Moment. And today, I am joined by Josh Sims. Josh has been working in the moving industry for over 20 years. He's packed and moved homes up and down the west coast of Australia, and he's been a leader in the moving industry in Singapore and Hong Kong. He's now the chief operating officer for Cinello, a global move management company. And he's joining us today from Sydney, Australia. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here.
0: So Josh, from reading your bio, you have a mm-hmm. big, deep industry experience with global relocation. So we invited you on to share some tips today, but I wanted to start with you personally, because you've are yes. you also lived as an expat. So you've mm-hmm. been an expat in multiple countries. How did, would you say that that time abroad shaped your general approach to life? Did it change your perspective on things?
1: I think for me, like I always had this urge or this desire to, to live overseas. And, you know, I was just really fortunate that the job that I had allowed that. I remember having a conversation with the leaders at Santa Fe when I was still in Perth, Australia, telling them my what I wanted to do. And they actively kind of encouraged it and, you know, got me on my way to Singapore when I was about 27, 28 years old. It was a great start to, to being an expat. Obviously, uh, my journey has been really kind of like progressive in the fact that, you know, I left Australia as a, a, as a young single guy and then returned home eventually after two other countries with a kid, a dog and a wife, you know. Um, <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it's been fun, you know, so far, but obviously it's still going and, you know, hopefully there's, you know, might, might be some more chances down the road to to do it again.
0: So did you meet the wife while you were living abroad? Was yeah, you- I
1: did in Singapore. We were actually uh, flatmates to start with. Oh. Uh got on really well. Uh, I elected to move out because there was a little bit of tension in, in the house in the early stages. So I moved out, lived with some friends for a while. and We let the relationship happen kind of organically like that and And it's been great ever since, yeah. So she works in finance industry. So when I moved to Hong Kong as well, it was an opportunity for me to move, but she was well supported by her bank who transferred her employment but stayed in the same role once we moved up there as well.
0: Oh, wow. All right. So we invited you on to, because you're so knowledgeable about moving abroad. And a lot of people who listen to this show are very interested in moving abroad Mm -hmm. or even just moving to a different part of wherever it is they live currently. So what things would you say that people should consider when they're planning for a big move abroad. And maybe we can separate it into two categories, like an individual moving abroad and a family and a dog or something moving abroad.
1: Yeah. I suppose like whether it's either of those things, the planning is somewhat similar, but obviously there's a little bit more depth to planning once you put kids and pets into the picture, but it varies for so many people. Um, some people kind of do it effortlessly and some people it's a really, really big life event. Um, and I suppose when people are moving abroad, it's the reasons they're doing it do vary as well. So is it work? Is it a new opportunity or have you been laid off? Are you moving home from a job that you'd love to be closer to family because of, of the family event? There's so many dynamics that um, that are different and they kind of affect the stress levels. But I suppose for me, like I'll, I won't go into that classic tip of like, how to prepare for your move, like throw out everything, because I think they're <laughs> like kind of obvious and, you know, people will or will not, whether someone's going to go and throw everything out, they'll make that choice um, before they do. But I suppose like I'll try and look at some of the things where I see moves go better or relocations go better. For me, my biggest tip is always be as active and involved in the process as you can. Although you've contracted a move to someone like us at Sunello to, to move you from one country to another, that's a very physical kind of process, right? We, we, we go through the quote, we, we, look, or we look at your house, we go through the quote process, you agree, we come and pack your stuff, we load it into a ship, it goes on that ship, it arrives and then it comes into your house. So that's very physical, but there is so many things attached to that process and the removal or the moving process is just one cog in hundreds of things that are going to happen when you move, but it's also very, very important. And once you do it, you forget about it and then you arrive and then it's kind of on the water and you forget and then it's like, oh, oh God, it's arriving soon or I'm gonna need this or whatever. So it's like for me, be as actively involved in the process as you can. Really understand what's gonna happen, what are the dates? So when you when you we pack up all your staff, you're homeless, right? How is that gonna affect, you know, your costs when you're in the country before you leave? Are you getting hotels, Airbnbs, staying with family? How long are you gonna be without your items? What can you do without for six weeks? And then be prepared to be without them for longer because delays at the moment, roughly 50% of the containers are arriving late. It was much worse about a year ago when it was, I think global levels got down to somewhere closer to 30%. So containers were always and regularly running late. So be prepared you know, for what the time scale is. Roughly, it's like somewhere between eight to 12 weeks on average, but it can go out longer. And once it's on the water, we have very, very, little control over what's happened um or what will happen it's basically impossible to to speed it up Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah just be prepared for that yeah
0: curious if a person is working with someone like your company do they need to know where they're going in the country that they're moving to like for instance i mean specifically like do they need to have a house or a place an apartment already no not at all
1: i'd say majority of our customers unless they're moving home into their in, back to their, their own home and they're repatriating, they rarely know the the property that they're going into. That's not a, an issue. We just need, the, the, at minimum, the country um, because obviously <laughs> there's guidelines and requirements and documents that they need to be able to import their goods. But once it's in the country, we can transport it to any city within there if they do change their mind. This is just obviously, if it's not the original city it's quoted to, cost change and, and things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just need to be prepared. But no, you don't need to know. The, the exact address yet at all.
0: I know you said that you shouldn't, people should decide for themselves whether they want to liquidate all of their possessions or not before they move somewhere. But I mean, would you recommend that people say if they're moving abroad and they know that they're going to be gone for just a limited time, maybe two years, maybe it's a contract, you know, for a certain job and then you know you're coming home. Would you recommend that people relocate all of their possessions when they move? What, it's funny, like,
1: our customers vary extremely like, oh, a lot, you know, in, in their attachment to their items. I mean, everyone probably has at least 20 boxes, I would say, of stuff that they would want to take and maybe a couple of furniture pieces that they're attached to. That's as a bare minimum, right? That's just mm-hmm. but the average person, yeah, has more than that. I think personally, yes, I would relocate it majority of my goods if 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 it's for over a year. Unless I'm going into a like a kind of furnished accommodation at destination and I know it's short term. The reason being is like I don't think people actually seriously add up how much they buy once they arrive in a new country. And and you do it gradually over a one or two or three year period of ever how long you're there. But I have walked out of like here in Hong Kong when I first moved there and spent a thousand dollars. Didn't even think about it, right? Because (laughs) I was like, I need that in my house, I need that in my house, I need that in my house. And I think because we do a lot of that incrementally, we don't really know what we're going to do and then everything you buy are you going to just send it back again once you're finished is that going to be go back to your old home what have you done with your items in the country that you left because you're probably going to if you're attached to them you want to keep them you're going to have to pay to store them so is that cost of storage over the two or three years going to equal the amount that you're going to send it as well
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: think there's a, a you know a nice thing about having familiarity with the items in your house especially when you have kids you know they are attached to things like I mean, my son can all of a sudden want a toy that he hasn't played with for six months. That's in the cupboard and it'll just pop into his head. And if you don't have it, it's the end of the world. So, you know, we have (laughs) access to them. So I think, you know, there is an importance to it and now things are our things and overall, like they do help you settle. They do help you relocate and and kind of be, and adjust quicker.
0: Since you're a moving expert, I'm just curious, is there, maybe you'd have to imagine in your mind, two different places, but is there a major difference between moving to one location in the world versus like another location?
1: Not so much in process. Some countries have really kind of like strict processes, like say moving to Indonesia or the Philippines, some of those Southeast Asian countries, but moving into like Hong Kong or Singapore, it's pretty easy to do the documents and all that kind of stuff. I'd say there's a bigger adjustment moving. I can obviously talk to this moving from Hong Kong and Singapore myself. So being there, you know, we, as a family, we had a domestic helper, right? Now that was a fantastic way to kind of like live and bring up our kid because, Life back in Australia is very busy. So we have to do all our cooking, all our cleaning. And I'm not complaining because I know that's a normal part of life and I enjoy it or I enjoy the cooking part. But um, <laughs> you can think when you have someone in your home helping you raise your kids you come home from work and all those kind of like domestic duties are done. So you get a lot more quality time with your kids rather than having to cook and clean while they're they're watching TV or playing or whatever it might be. You you get to be able to really switch off from work and from life and and, and spend more quality time. So that was – I didn't realise how much I valued that until we came back to Australia, you know, where it's just much, much more busier because you're you're doing it yourself. So I think like even though people might think there's a large adjustment of moving to places like Hong Kong or Singapore – Life is, you know, it's very, very work oriented as well, so that's why these things exist. It, you know, it does it there is ways to help you along along like that, and it was a pretty big adjustment for us coming back to Australia after so long out.
0: A lot of people think of moving as being that thing that they dread. You know, <laughs> you know they want to be in the new country or they want to be in the new yeah. city, but the moving is, that's just like, oh, you know, the, the moving process. I'm curious what it was about it or maybe even just – how helping people make such a big life change that actually made you want to have this as your career
1: oh I'll be like to, just to kind of address the moving conundrum I'll be honest it sucks right like moving <laughs> yeah. like is not the actual physical part of it is not great like the I like the the first part the excitement about going to a new country the preparations like where am I going to live like I'm kind of like I quite actively engage with change and and I'm always looking forward to that. But I hate the settling in part, like the unpacking, the the monotony of like putting where stuff's going to go and like trying to figure out like how will that work? Because that takes really long. Like the moving out part is easy, right? Like it's quite quick. The guys come through, they pack it all up. You know, it's really exciting. And then you get there and you've got to figure out where everything goes. And actually settling in is is a lot of hard work because you have to figure out not just where all this stuff's going to go, but all the other things like getting a bank account, you're settling your kids into school, your daily routines and all that kind of stuff. And that takes a lot of the time. Like I think people underestimate the impact of, of daily routine on their lives and the and the shakeup that can have. Everyone adjusts, kids adjust and pets adjust. Mm-hmm. So it, it's relatively straightforward. But yeah, moving for me, like that part is, that is the hardest settling in.
0: What attracted you as far as a profession goes?
1: Oh, it's hard to say. I, I fell into it because my, my dad did it. When I first started in the industry, it was a summer. So I would work in it during school. My first job was working in the warehouse, taking the tape off the boxes. Then I graduated to working in the warehouse, like ticking things in and out and that kind of stuff. And then the next summer I went onto the trucks and just did the, the moves all around Perth and things like that. Then the next summer I kind of graduated to doing the long hauls. I, I never drove the big trucks that we have. So in Australia, our trucks can go up to 43 times 40 foot containers long. So, you know, 120 120 feet plus the size of the the prime mover. So that's, you know, 150 odd feet, maybe a little bit, maybe longer of steel running running up and down the highway. So that was really cool. So we would go on trips for three weeks, you know, not come back. And I kind of loved the adventure of that. Like we would sleep under containers. You get a daily allowance of like, say, 50 bucks to get a hotel room, which is not much, but it's what you get. Mm -hmm. So if I don't spend that money and I sleep in the truck or I sleep on the in the container somewhere on my, on my mattress and that's 50 bucks in my pocket. So when you're a student, that's like quite a lot of money. Um, So I kind of really love that adventure. I am very attracted to the kind of personal relationship and individual nature of, of the job. So like, I really did enjoy like working with a lot of our customers.
0: Do you find that people, when it comes to the idea of putting all of their things onto a ship and sending it somewhere, do people get nervous about that?
1: Some do, some don't. I'd say probably less so, but obviously we do in our industry offer protection for that. So if, if you do have a, ever have a worst case scenario where your goods um, fall off a ship, you as long as you purchase the, the protection, you'll be covered. But if you don't, there's quite a lot of risks that go along with that. So, like the shipping company can, or well, the, the salvage company can actually charge you to pull things out of the water if you don't have protection. And you know that's a risk that people don't that don't often know, but is explained. It does happen very rarely. But um, you know, we had a customer in Australia once who moved from the east to the west, and on the way to the west, the train derailed, and all of his goods were written off. And that would probably happens once a year. When he relocated back to the east. same thing happened um so you know that's exactly what protection is out there for and it's one of those things that can happen and people people do protect themselves against that risk but it is rare and and you'll get the occasional customer that's really really nervous but majority is kind of like once it's out of their house they they kind of don't worry about it we have some pretty cool functionality now where we partner with a um a tech platform to uh, be able to chart the, the ship's progress as it leaves from one country and you can watch it on the map as it goes. So that, that's pretty cool and gives you a little bit of security can show you which, which way it's going to head in the next few days. So that's nice.
0: I do you have know, a slightly impossible question maybe, but I was reading a bit of the history of Sanello and I noticed that it's a, a part of Santa Fe relocation, which comes yep. from a company, Anderson and company shipping, which began in Bangkok in 1897. I mean, Just from your expertise, what would you say is the biggest difference between relocating internationally now versus when the company would have started over 100 years ago?
1: (laughs) Yeah, probably like the, you know, just the contents of people's things, um, you know, is really different. Obviously, um, shipping electronics and things like that bring in new complications because it can be sensitive to to heat or to, to movement. So that's one another risk. Furniture is not as well made these days. It's not necessarily so like, you know, maybe in the 1800s, people went shipping furniture, but let's say like kind of like from before mass production started and I, companies like IKEA, you know, furniture was much, much more sturdy and, and could move around in a container like they do. But now the classic IKEA stuff, you know, you can ship as it is, but it's going to be loose when it arrives. And if you dismantle it, putting it back together is really hard. I, I always tell all the customers, IKEA is, is difficult once it's been dismantled and generally you don't have the instructions someone else is, has taken it apart at the origin and then some guy in you know wherever you're going in France who's been allocated to make your delivery that day is going to have to put together a three-door IKEA wardrobe with a mirror with no instructions it's just impossible <laughs> um, that kind of furniture is, has changed how how people move but it's also kind of like One of the reasons we've seen volumes decrease over time on average because of the throwaway nature of some of these items, people aren't as attached to it and are prepared to buy again.
0: Okay. So let's say you have to leave us with just another piece or another couple pieces of advice. What would you advise somebody who's considering an international move?
1: It's hard to to, to go, not to go past what I was talking about before. Be actively involved, plan, plan, plan as best as you can. And then also be prepared for delays because it does happen. You need to be ready if that happens to kind of like adjust with you and your family, you know, work with your moving coordinators. We call them relocation experts at Sunello. They'll keep you updated as it progresses, but they don't know the dynamics of everything else. They don't know everything else that's happening in your life. They don't know when you're going to sign your lease you know, all, and you like, there's no point signing a lease until your goods are there. So you have to really be actively involved in what's happening because it's just like I was saying before, it's just one cog of many for someone's uh, relocation, but it's an important one.
0: Josh Sims is the chief operating officer for Sinello, a moving relocation company. If you wanted to learn more, you can visit sinello.com, And of course, we'll put a link in the show notes. Josh, thanks so much for joining me today
1: great thank you for your time
0: yeah and until next time this is the bittersweet life i'm katie Sewell. talk to you next week bye you could sponsor this show and reach educated curious and compassionate listeners all over the world visit the bittersweetlife.net and click support to get the conversation started